Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby, coming to you live today from my hotel room in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Right now it is 9.51 on the West Coast, but it is 12.51 on the East Coast. Uh, I have not adjusted my time so far, um, which... Uh, is a good or bad thing, uh, I think, depending on, uh, on uh, yeah, how much sleep uh, you like to get um, while you're at uh, conferences and things of that nature. Uh, anyways, um, today I am going to take a look at seven hitters and six pitchers um, who are either doing, you know, really well or uh, not so well and kind of taking a look at what's going on uh, underneath the hood, taking a look at underlying skills, see what we might Uh, what might be happening kind of in a descriptive sense in a narrative sense um, you know kind of what do the what do the skills look like underneath and why is what has happened happening and whether it looks uh, sustainable or at least uh, earned um, or whether it's just some small sample luck that's taking place so hopefully that's helpful and then I also uh, take a crack at a couple questions one around injuries uh, to to good but not great players in 10 and 12 team leagues and then also um, uh, uh, kind of a little bit of background in terms of how I do uh, analysis of closer speculation. So uh, hopefully both the, the hitter and pitcher observations and analysis uh, and answering those questions is helpful uh, to you. Um, as always, if you uh, enjoy the podcast, please do leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, keep those great Uh, reviews coming in. Uh, The best place to reach me uh, is also uh, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Yeah, that's the best place to reach me. Uh, My my website is BatFlipCrazy.com. I am going to post some podcast notes um, over there. I'll try to do that on a regular basis when I can, uh, just so that you have a sense of what my process is and a sense of the numbers that I'm looking at and how I kind of uh, put together these little synopses uh, or synopses uh, of the different players. So hopefully you do find that helpful. A really quick intro because it is pretty late and I want to get to bed. Um, and I also, uh, yeah, you also don't need to listen. You already listened to me enough. So you don't need to listen to me uh, drag on in the intro. So let's just get this party started. All right, tonight we are going to cover uh, seven hitters and six pitchers, I believe, so 13 players total. Uh, Just doing what uh, I've been doing with some of these hitter and pitcher observations where I take a look at some of the underlying skills and see, you know, kind of what create a little bit of a narrative about what might be happening with a given player, whether the skills point towards some sort of sustainability or whether they've earned what they've been able to provide you know, in any situation, you know, looking at a projection system and the rest of season projection, like something like the bat or steamer, something of that, ATC, something of that nature is always the best, is is always the most effective uh, way to project the year going forward. But sometimes we can identify some trends in skills or underlying changes where we might be able to benefit from a particularly uh, hot month or streak that a player is in. Maybe they're seeing the ball well. Maybe they're 
displaying patients that they haven't done before, making more contact than usual, and that might change what our expectations or what my expectations are for the player. So again, you know, we're like one-seventh of the way through the season, so it's still way too early to know for sure what is going to happen, but I'm going to give you uh, my best effort in figuring out uh, or, or thinking about what might be taking place. So uh, let's start it off. Uh, Howie Kendrick, uh, he he was not getting full-time playing time. Um, he's been in the lineup a lot more for the Nats. Uh, 407 batting average, 486 OBP, nine runs, three home runs, eight RBI, and zero stolen bases. Really, really impressive underlying skills, though, for Kendrick. His O swing is at 22.1%. He's not a guy who's known for his plate discipline, but that is... Uh, pretty elite play discipline right there. He is known for having really good contact skills, but even the 93.8% in-zone contact rate that he's showing right now is well above uh, where he's been in recent years. He's hitting the ball very hard at 47.8%, and he's hitting the ball in the air a lot. Ground ball rate at 34.8%, and the results are really nice. A 568 expected WOBA. That's right, a 568 expected WOBA. Not a WOBA. He's not getting lucky. You know, a 568 expected WOBA, six barrels already for a 17.1% barrels per plate appearance, and then a max exit velocity of 111.4 mile per hour. Uh, Kendrick is one of the hottest hitters so far this season in his small sample size. Uh, the skills are off the charts, as I just indicated. You know, he's not going to be able to continue this this type of pace. Nobody really is. Um, but you know the the underlying skills point to some potential changes for him, right? Some potential changes uh, in both the improved plate discipline and the improved contact skills, as well as uh, the elite uh, Statcast data. And so, you know, what I would suggest is to ride him, you know, while he's getting playing time for the Nats. Uh, ride him while he's on this hot streak. I don't think it's going to be going to continue, but. You know, we've seen, especially with, you know, the, the ball this year in baseball, you know, some surprising names can come out of nowhere. And Kendricks has some of the skills that you need, and maybe that juiced ball is helping him out just a little bit, uh, a little bit and, and making him, you know, even better. So Kendrick so far, again, he's not going to continue this level of pace, but I would definitely have him in your lineups as long as he's in the Nats lineup uh, for right now. Um, and then just kind of monitor the skills, monitor the performance, and don't be hesitant. Don't don't hesitate to take them out of your lineup uh, once things start to cool down a little bit. Next up is another one of the hottest hitters early in this season, and that's Christian Walker of the Arizona Diamondbacks, a 353 average, a 421 OBP, 12 runs, six home runs, 11 RBI, and three stolen bases. Those three stolen bases are really nice. Um, he only had one uh, previously, I think, in his major league. Uh, career at least last year uh, in a limited playing time and so it's nice to see him showing a little bit of speed the o swing is about league average at 29.1 percent in zone contact rate slightly or actually a decent amount below league average at 77 percent that's about seven and a half percent this year uh, below league average so you know some issues with with contact skills but that's not necessarily a surprise because the hard hit rate at 73.3 percent uh, is I've never seen a hard hit rate that high, I feel like, even over this uh, amount of time. So he's just crushing the ball. Ground ball rate is a solid 40%, so slightly below league average. You know, you'd like to see it get down a little bit, but 
um, you know, not a major concern. And then the stack case cast data is nice. A 428 expected WOBA, you know, 10 barrels, 13.2% barrels per plate appearance, then a 112.4 mile per hour max exit velocity. Um, he's really thriving on that excellent batted ball quality, quality, and it's something that's supported by the stat cast data. Um, you know, he's being he's been lucky so far, right? Um, his BABIP is 462. Uh, that is not going to continue, and when that inevitably inevitably goes down, it looks like just based on the batted ball quality that it will be well above league average. But even if that gets down into the kind of 350 range, you're looking at a significant drop in average. So I would I would expect with the lower contact rate, the elevated BABIP, you know, the home run potential that that batting average is probably going to be a, a, around league average, uh, you know, which is around, I think, 255 or so this year. Um, and, you know, the power should be there. The counting stats should be okay. And then in a kind of poor Diamondbacks lineup, and then the speed is just kind of an add-on. And so I don't really see a reason why Walker, um, you know, he should get full-time at-bats for a while with Jake Lamb, you know, on on the IL. Lamb was not playing particularly well. He hasn't played particularly well for a while, and and I'm not sure the D-backs can really trust him health-wise at this point after kind of three seasons now with uh, significant injuries. And Walker is more than doing, uh, more than holding his own against righties and lefties. And so I think, you know, Walker is is a pretty good bet for around a league average batting average when all is said and done, uh, 25 plus home runs potentially and in those solid counting stats. So uh, a nice start here for Walker. Just be prepared for some volatility uh, because of that contact rate. Hunter Dozier. I uh, know I want to give uh, give a little shout out to Yancey Eaton, uh, a listener of the pod who suggested Hunter Dozier, and I was joking around with him. I wasn't sure whether he really wanted me to cover Dozier or if he just wanted me to be able to give myself a little bit of a of a of a pat on the back. Uh, one of my bold predictions heading into this year was that Dozier was going to lead the Royals um, in home runs and RBI and finish the season in the cleanup spot. Um, for the Royals, I just really liked what I saw heading into the season. You know, he essentially had elite contact, elite hard hit rate, um, and towards the end of the the year was hitting the ball in the air a ton. Uh, the stat cast data was very, very good. The only change that he really needed to make was improve his plate discipline. Now, that is not that is easier said than done, but it's something that he's clearly clearly done this year, and so he's really doing everything that you would want um, a really good uh, hitter to do. Um, 324 batting average, 430 OBP, uh, 12 runs, 7 home runs, 12 RBI, 0 stolen bases. I think he has 2 or 3 caught steals. Scott, caught stolen bases? Caught steals? Whatever. However you say that. Um, you know, and so the, I don't think the speed is going to be there, but maybe he'll... Maybe he'll uh, steal, you know, five bags or something like that. Uh, the O swing is at 23.88%. Very, very good there. Z contact at 92.9%. Very good as well. Hard hit rate at 47.3%. Elite there. Ground ball rate at 30.9%. Elite there. Again, he's doing everything that you could possibly ask for a hitter to do. Um, stack cast data, 434 expected WOBA, 8 barrels, 9.3% barrels per plate appearance, a 113.5 max exit velo, which is really nice. Um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I've, I've been a fan of Dozier. I have him on pretty much all of my um, teams at this point. I drafted him in a number of my deeper leagues as well. 
Um, I really think that what Dozier is doing is sustainable. Now, I don't think he's going to keep up this pace, right? Like this is a pretty blistering pace he's setting, particularly in batting average uh, and OBP uh, and even in home runs. So, you know, he's going to have his ups and downs, but I think he's showing a really nice period here with very solid and stable metrics across the board. He's now shown a a very high contact rate. Uh, for an extended period of time, which I think is really good um, news. Uh, the O swing hasn't been around as long, but it's solid. The hard hit rate and the stat cast data has all been good for a while. So I really do believe this is sustainable. I think this is a real breakout um, that we're seeing from Dozier. And, uh, you know, that makes me, uh, it makes me happy because, I, you know, I, I saw it. And also because I think I've gotten a lot of really good, um, uh, really good feedback from, from the Dozier pick. Um, which, you know, it's always nice. Like you're going to get some right, you're going to get some wrong. Uh, but when you are able to hit some, especially ones where, you know, folks are doing much better than uh, kind of expected, I think that's always nice. So hopefully it continues and my bold prediction ends up uh, being right. He's over to get it, able to get over these, uh, these back spasms. But I really do like uh, Dozier to continue uh, doing what he's doing. And, and by that, I mean having, you know, above league average batting average, Above league average power, pretty nice contact, uh, pretty nice counting stats there in the middle of the Royals lineup. So let's go with like something like a 285 batting average uh, with uh, 30 to 35 home runs and uh, 80 and 80 in terms of runs and RBIs. And I think, you know, anybody who drafted him or picked him up on the wire will be very, very excited about that. All right, next up is a guy, uh, man, it's been a, a whirlwind day with this guy, Travis Shaw. Uh, batting average at 182, uh, OBP at 276, uh, six ru- uh, five runs, two home runs, six RBI, zero stolen bases. Those home runs after today are up to four, um, and the uh, and it's it should be seven four eight for the runs, home runs, and RBI for Shaw. No stolen bases. Uh, I say it's been topsy turvy because on Twitter earlier today I put up a post because I took a look at his rolling average graph over the last 15 games, and I mean it's a huge his his contact rate has just plummeted, um, his plate discipline has eroded, um, you know the metrics just aren't that good. They're okay for the season, but over the last 15 games they've really dropped off, and it's a very small sample size. But I kind of posted that I was worried he's been hit on the hand by a pitch. Uh, twice already, including on April 10th, where he got x-rays and missed a game or two um, uh, after that. And the x-rays were negative. They said it was just a bruise, but uh, that's really when things started to go go south for Shaw. And so, you know, I thought maybe an injury was hampering him and um, kind of put a call out for that. And then lo and behold, obviously yesterday he hit a home run. Today he looked terrible in his first at-bat and he did strike out in his other two at-bats. Um, I mean, he looked really bad in that first at-bat, but in two of the next three, he hit two home runs, and so it looks like at least the power um, has returned somewhat for Shaw, and so it was a little embarrassing uh, for that to happen, but people in general have had a pretty good attitude about it. Um, I do uh, Nathaniel or Nathan Dawkin, um, who I believe is, uh, he's got a podcast on Fantrax. I think it's the, I want to say it's the Nasty Cast, um, and, um, you know, he's a he's a really good Uh, follow you know he kind of chimed in and and pointed to Matt Carpenter as kind of an example of a guy who had a really 
big dip in contact rate, but did well. And I kind of disagreed originally because I didn't remember Carpenter having that big of contact issues, but he was right on there. So felt a little bad about that. He, you know, Shaw doesn't have the good, you know, expected metrics like Carpenter did. Uh, Shaw's expected Woba is at 275 um, right now. So it's not good at all, but um, his overall point, you know, that we, that we, sh- we shouldn't be so um, quick to say it's an injury or to kind of write a guy off, but that sometimes folks are working through adjustments and it just happens to be early on in the season. And that ended up, um, you know, coming to fruition pretty quickly. And I think it was some pretty good karma for me because my response was just a little, um, it wasn't as, as uh, positive, I think, as I, I like told myself to, and uh, I usually am. Um, and so I think I, I kind of deserve that. And so it was good to see Shaw kind of rub that in my face. I do own him in a few places. I liked him heading into the season. So I'm happy about that. Uh, so far this year, though, the O swing is at 28.1%. The in zone contact is at 71.6%. Um, uh, the 71.6%, that's a drop of like 13%, I want to say, from last year. So it's huge. Um, when I said it was huge, it was definitely huge. Hard hit rate at 42.9%. Uh, percent, so that's solid. Ground ball rate at 39.6%. That's also solid. Um, you know, Shaw was really, you know, underrated last year. And a lot of the metrics pointed towards even more improvement with a little bit of Babbitt block. So hopefully that starts to turn around for him. As I mentioned, the 275 expected Woba. Um, and then uh, three barrels, 3.4% barrels per plate appearance and 110.8 mile per hour max exit velocity for Shaw. So, you know, again, the StatCast data isn't great. He probably added two barrels uh, to that today. So, you know, it's just one day, so we'll see what happens. I was very concerned by, you know, it's just such a sharp, sharp drop. So if you go to my Twitter and just look through my recent feed, you'll see it. But um, it's a very sharp drop, and a lot of times that does indicate some sort of injury or issue that's up. But, um, you know, we shall see. It's good to see Shaw getting a little bit back because people were definitely uh, nervous about him. Uh, Justin Turner is another third baseman who has struggled uh, to get his mojo going early on here this season. 260 batting average, 372 OBP, eight runs, zero home runs, eight RBI, and zero stolen bases. Uh, o swing at 27.6, so solid. You know, not as good as usual, but you know, still solid. His Z contact is down seven and a half percent to 84.5 percent, so that's still league average, but it's not the elite contact that we've come to expect from Turner. Hard hit rate is at 50.8 percent, um, and his ground ball rate is at 40.7 percent. Um, and the ground ball rate that's actually an 11 percent increase um, in ground ball rate, and so. Um, you know, that's a little bit of a concern when coupled with the Z contact, but he did, you know, miss a couple days uh, through injury. Um, so, you know, that's that's something. And again, it's a very, very small sample size so far. The good news is, is that Turner's stat cast data is really nice. A 367 expected WOBA compared to his 306 WOBA. That's well above league average. Stat cast data, not great. Three barrels, 3.2% barrels per plate appearance. 104 mile per hour max exit velocity. Um, So not necessarily what we want to see, and the power hasn't been there, but he has hit 11 hard hit fly balls so far this year, but it's just that none of them have gone for home runs. He hasn't pulled a ton of them, but it's only 11 fly balls. He normally pulls uh, 31% of his hard hit fly balls, and he's only pulling uh, 9.1%. So he's only got one, 
But if he puts together three or four in a row, he's looking at that same 30% he was at. So again, it's early on in the season, very small sample sizes that can change very quickly and change the narrative around a certain player. So hopefully Turner starts to hit for a little bit of power and that contact uh, and ground, that ground ball rate goes back down and that contact rate goes back up. Uh, and we start to see the guy that we, uh, that we were excited to draft because I've got him in a lot of places too. Uh, another guy, he had a great day uh, as well today, Victor Robles, three RBIs today, two stolen bases. Really, really nice. He's at uh, 270, 316 OBP, 14 runs, three home runs, seven RBI, and three stolen bases for Robles so far this year. When you add in the three RBI and the two stolen bases um, and the increase in batting average, right now he is on a 600 plate appearance pace of 270, uh, 278 uh, with 105 runs, 21 home runs, 71 RBI, and 35 stolen bases. And people are worried about the guy. And it just shows you, like, after one game, I mean, even before that, he was on pace for 21 home runs and 21, um, 21 stolen bases. But it just shows you how quickly with the small sample sizes, things can change. A guy can go from having maybe about what you would expect from him in a given year to having absolutely elite uh, production. And so that's just something, again, to keep in mind with all of these guys. O-swing for Robles at 29.5%, in-zone contact rate at 84.2%, so both right around league average. Hard hit rate is very low at 20.4%, Ground ball rate at 31.8%. That's not a great combo when you're not hitting the ball hard and you're hitting uh, a lot of balls in the in the air just because you're probably going to get some pretty weak um, contact and kind of cans of corn. Uh, the StatCast data kind of bears that out, a 265 expected WOBA. Um, so he has been very lucky because the WOBA is 347. So part of that luck may be speed because um, a lot of times the... Uh, expected metrics, particularly the the baseball savant and stat cast ones, will underestimate uh, the WOBA of speedsters. Um, and so that's one thing to take into consideration. But this is a pretty huge gulf between the WOBA of 347 and the expected WOBA of 265. Only three barrels, 3.8% barrels per plate appearance, 110.8 max exit velocity. Um, so, you know, Robles has been really good. And remember, he's been batting most of the time in the ninth spot. Imagine if he was at the top of the lineup or batting second like he was today. You could be talking about some just really um, incredible possibilities for for Robles. And, and, you know, if he continues this pace, we're talking about him as a fantasy MVP, as a guy who has drafted, you know, between pick 75 and pick 90 probably, but who could return first or second uh, round value with what he's been able to do um, so far. So, um, you know, that said, uh, again, there are a little bit of concerns in the batted ball quality for Robles. It has not impacted him so far. Hopefully that will improve, but so far so good. Um, and if you got him for kind of the batting average and speed, uh, he is uh, doing that uh, for you for sure. Glaber Torres is going to be the last hitter that we're going to cover. 238 batting average, 275 OBP, 12 runs, four home runs, nine RBI and one stolen base. The O swing is not good. It's never really been that good for him. 
35.7%. Uh, so that's going to keep the walk rate and the OBP kind of low, at least compared to the average. In zone contact rate at 82.7%. That's up slightly, still slightly below league average. Hard hit rate up 6% at 44.4%, but the ground ball rate is up 12% at 44.4% as well. So that's a big concern because if he's, if Torres isn't going to be hitting the ball in the air, if he's going to be hitting a lot of ground balls, uh, that is definitely going to impact his production significantly. Uh, 290 expected Woba, so that is not uh, very good. Five barrels, 5.5% barrels per plate appearance, 106.7%. Uh, max exit velocity. The one thing that I will note on Torres is that the ground ball is way up, ground ball rate is way up. The la average is low, but his line drive rate right now is sitting around 16%. I would expect that to go up. There's always a lot of variance in line drives um, just because they are the least frequently hit uh, balls, but they also have the highest BABIP. And so if that goes up, you know, four or 5%, uh, you're looking at a, a pretty uh, decent uh, increase in batting average right there. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about the batting average um, unless that ground ball rate continues to be a little bit high. Um, that that would be the one concern for me. So right now we're seeing a lot of mediocrity in Torres's profile and the counting stats are not going to be as plentiful as long as that that lineup isn't at full strength. But, um, you know, even the production that he's had so far you know, when you pace that out to a full season, um, you know, that's it's not that uh, disappointing, right? We're talking about 25 home runs. Uh, we're talking about, you know, 63 RBI. We're talking about, you know, 84 runs, uh, seven stolen bases. So, you know, nothing, uh, it's not going to, it's not going to lose you a, a season. That's for sure. All right, that's going to wrap us up for the seven hitters. Um, and up next, I'm going to cover uh, six pitchers and then answer a couple questions briefly uh, that I got. The first one is uh, Brad Peacock, 21 innings pitched, a 429 ERA, a 105 whip with 17 strikeouts, uh, a 441 Sierra, and a 451 XFIP, just to include some ERA estimators in there. His fastball velocity is down 1.5 miles per hour. 92.19. That's not necessarily surprising since he spent most of the year last year out of the bullpen, uh, but it is a decrease in velocity nonetheless. Um, his O swing is pretty low. It's worse than league average at 27.9%. First pitch strike rate at 65.5% is really nice, and then his zone for percentage at 41%. A little concerning that that O swing is below league average and the zone percentage is also below league average. It might point to a little bit of difficulty with uh, walks down the road, but um, it's not uh, it's not terrible. Uh, his in-zone contact rate is at 92.2%, which is terrible. Um, that's like having, you know, uh, an elite contact guy um, being up in every at-bat. The swinging strike rate is also way down at 9%, but surprisingly, he's getting a lot of called strikes, 29.4% uh, CSW. That's called strikes plus swinging strikes divided by pitches. Um, you know, league average, I believe, is right around... Um, it's either 28, let me check really quickly. I put out some tweets about it um, earlier today that included the average, so I don't wanna, I don't wanna lead anybody uh, astray here. Um, really quickly, uh, don't you just love it when uh, this happens? Oh man, I've gotta scroll for days. I think it's, it is CSW 27.4%. So it's well above uh, league average at 29.4%, despite the low 
um, strikeout, other strikeout skills like the Z contact and the swinging strike rate. The K minus walk rate is right around league average at 13.1%. The BABIP is really low at 224, but so is the strand rate at 61.8%. So those should balance each other out a little bit. And the batted ball quality through expected WOBA, you know, again, that's walks, strikeouts, and batted ball quality. 255 expected Woba, which is really nice. He's actually been a little bit uh, unlucky so far this year. Peacock's start is kind of bizarre um, to me because you see some significant decrease in the a lot of the, the strikeout skills, right? The end zone contact rate, the swinging strike rate, but then CSW, which is more highly correlated with strikeout rate, is at 29.4% better than league average. Uh, but then you also see the K minus walk rate being low, uh, being a little bit of lucky on the BABIP, and then the expected WOBA being being nice. For me, if I, if I had to guess, I'd say, you know, um, uh, I kind of put a little bit more stock in Peacock not being, uh, I mean, I think he's going to be good, but I think we're looking right now at kind of what he might be, like a high three, low four ERA guy, uh, an okay whip, you know, maybe around like the one, one two one two five range so definitely serviceable especially for the astros um but you know i don't think we're going to see the same level of kind of elite production that we got out of him the last time he started regularly i guess the hope is just that he's able to scrounge uh, together a, a number of wins pitching for the astros um, but you know some concerning signs some good signs i'd say the concerns outweigh the good a little bit um right now um, and so, you know, for that reason, I think what we're seeing so far is about probably what you're going to get from Peacock moving forward. Uh, one surprising guy so far this year has been Shane Green of the Tigers. 12 innings pitched, 1.5 ERA, 0.58 whip, 10 saves already, 12 strikeouts in those 12 innings pitched. Although, you know, the Sierra is at 3.25 and the XFIP at 3.85 instead of that 1.5 ERA. Um, surprisingly, the fastball velocity is down, uh, depending on the, if it's the four seam or the sinker, it's two to three miles per hour. Uh, but all the other skills are improved. The O swing at 29.1% is better than last year. The first pitch strike rate is up um, at 65.9%. The zone percentage is right around where it was before at 46.3%. The Z contact is way down at 79.6%. The swinging strike rate is up at 12.5%. The CSW is up at 33.8%. The K-minus walk rate is better at 20.5%. Um, so really, Green is a guy, like, heading into the season, I was not going to touch him with a 10-foot pole. I don't own him anywhere. The skills were just absolutely atrocious. There was nothing I could point to and really say, like, hey, this this gives me some hope uh, for this guy being better. Um, but, you know, um, here we are. And I think this is really points to the fickleness of you know, relief pitchers and small samples and the fact that from year to year you can have this drastic fluctuation in both skills and, and performance. Um, and it, it kind of gives you a little bit of, um, you know, it, it kind of points to during draft season maybe putting a little bit more stock in role, right? Because we knew Shane Green was going to be uh, the guy who was... Um, you know, going to get the first shot at saves, and he was going pretty late in drafts, and so kind of the risk reward is pretty pretty slim, um, you know, and, and he was going to get a shot, and, you know, you just look at guys like, you know, uh, 
I always want to call him Tony Romo, but Sergio Romo, right? He's getting some saves for the Marlins, and it's not necessarily pretty, but those saves, especially in today's context, is is really, really critical. So maybe maybe it points towards putting a little bit of emphasis on that role, given the current landscape um, of saves. But again, Green has been very lucky so far. Uh, One eleven Babbitt, that is not going to... S- that's not sustainable. Uh, the strand rate of 90.9% is not sustainable either. Uh, and then the WOBA of 170 is compared to a 286 expected WOBA. But that 286 expected WOBA is still good. And so if Green is able to even have an ERA of equal to his estimators at either 325 or even 385 with the number of saves that he's going to bring in fantasy owners and the price you paid, he's going to return uh, a significant amount of of value for you and so kudos to folks who kind of went with roll and um you know rolled the dice with green and are getting paid for it um it doesn't mean i'm super confident that this is going to continue but you know the big difference between him last year and this year is the cutter um his cutter has doubled in swinging strike rate from 11.7 percent last year to 22.9 percent this year um, and so it's pretty much a new pitch for him, or it's serving as a new pitch from him for him, and that's really what's boosting the skills um, across the board. And so until we see something different, you know, you just roll with Shane Green and hope he's able to continue both the luck and and uh, getting getting so many save opportunities, like pretty much every time uh, the Tigers win. Uh, next up is Marcus Stroman, starting pitcher for the Blue Jays, thirty and two thirds innings pitch so far, a one seven six ERA. A 1-2-4 whip, 29 strikeouts in those 30 and two-thirds innings, uh, which is pretty nice for Stroman. Uh, the Sierra is at 4.16, and the XFIP is at 3.69. Uh, his fastball velocity is about even uh, for Stroman, uh, 92.9 miles per hour, uh, pretty similar to last year. His O swing is at 26%, first pitch strike rate at 56.7%. Zone percentage at 41.7%. His walk rate is at 9.5%. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that even goes up a little bit because all of those um, control metrics are below league average, the O-swing, the uh, first pitch strike, and zone percentage. So that's a little bit of a concern. End zone contact is high, but it always has been for Stroman. His swinging strike rate is back up about 1.5% to 10.5%, so right around league average, which is nice. And then his CSW is better than league average at 28.3%. And I think a lot of that improvement has to do with um, him upping his slider usage. He's actually throwing his slider on 15% more of pitches, and he's fading his sinker, which had the lowest swinging strike rate. And so that's the reason why some of those strikeout metrics, I think, are looking better. K-minus walk rate right around league average at 13.4%. The BABIP at 302 is, you know, right right around where you'd expect it. Uh, strand rate at 76.3%. You know, nothing crazy there. And an expected WOBA of 296 um, so, you know, Stroman's control has taken a step back, as I mentioned before, but the strikeout skills have taken a, a step forward because of that increased slider usage, which seems to be something that um, he's going to hold hold on to, given particularly his success early on in this season. Um, I think the results at the end of the year and, and what we're likely to see is a fairly average starting pitcher, um, which, given the league-wide context of pitching, is going to be really useful um, this year, especially with some of the... the the innings that I think Stroman can provide and the fact that you got him very late in drafts if he was drafted at all. Um, he's definitely due some regression, I think mostly when it comes to home runs. He has yet to give up a home run in those 30 uh, and two-thirds innings, and so that will happen um, eventually, and I think that will help uh, boost that ERA 
um, up a little bit. Uh, but again, like so far, so good. And I think there's there's a reason why he's doing better with that slider usage. And so I think, you know, uh, the best case scenario, I think he is the pitcher that he was at kind of his peak, you know, that mid uh, mid threes ERA type guy um, with, you know, an okay, um, you know, an okay whip. Um, and then getting you, you know, less than uh, a strikeout an inning uh, for sure, but you know, at least closer to it now, maybe with the improved skills. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see see how he does. But um, I think overall, some 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 really good signs here for um, for Stroman. Um, uh, Charlie Morton is up next. Uh, after I ran through Charlie Morton's profile, I was like, how come I covered Charlie Morton? Because you know, I was looking for guys who folks are either worried about or excited about, and Morton's kind of been as adver- as advertised. Um, twenty six point two, um, uh, or twenty six and two thirds innings pitched, a three thirty eight ERA, a one one six WHIP, thirty four strikeouts in those twenty six and two thirds innings, a three seven six Sierra, a three seven four xFIP. You know, in today's landscape, that three three thirty eight ERA is great. Um, especially where you got him, and con- especially considering where a lot of these kind of middle tier starting pitchers have started out, he's down one and a half miles per hour on his fastball. It's at ninety five point point two, so still pretty solid. The O swing is is up, which is a really nice sign at thirty four point five percent. First pitch strike rate down at fifty six point four percent, and he's in the zone about league average at forty three point four percent. So overall, you know the uh, the control metrics are about league average. Uh, in-zone contact rate at 86.2%, uh, slightly worse than league average, but that swinging strike rate is at 12.9%, and the called plus, uh, the CSW is at 30.4%, which is really strong. K-minus walk rate at 20%, BABIP at 288, left on base percentage at 76.9%, expected WOBA at 283. Morton's doing what Morton does. Uh, very solid, um, not, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily spectacular, not necessarily elite, but very, very good contribution uh, to your pitching staff so far. I think some of the reason for the increase in his uh, swinging strike rate and the strikeout metric so far is that he has faded his sinker a little bit, about 5%, and he has an equal bump in his curveball, which is a really nasty pitch. And so I think that's helping him out. So very steady profile so far for Morton. One interesting thing that I did notice is that Morton has been blown up in the past, a uh, third time through the order. He's actually got, getting blown up the second time through the order, and he's he's perfect. He's got a zero ERA and five innings pitched uh, third time through the order. So that's just, I think, a sign of uh, some very small sample sizes. Um, but you know, I think the Rays will be really um, cautious and smart in how they handle uh, Morton and not get him into some of the situations that the Astros left him in last year where he was kind of cruising along and then he got into the sixth inning and, you know, started getting hit around a little bit and they kept him in a little bit too long and it really blew up his ERA and whip in some situations. So hopefully the Rays won't do the same and hopefully he'll continue to be uh, the guy that you wanted uh, when you drafted him. Uh, next up, I'm going to cover a couple closers, and um, you know, and I'll and I'll cover. Uh, you know, one of the questions that I got was, you know, essentially, can you cover Ryan Brazier uh, and Rowanis um, Elias um, because you know they're kind of two guys who have solidified their roles as closers um, recently, at least in the mind of of fantasy owners, and. 
you know, one of the things that I would say for folks is if you're looking, especially now in speculating for saves, you know, I think the best exercise to do, um, and this is something that I've done, you know, recently with like Robert Stevenson of the Reds, who I've had on a few teams for a few weeks now, um, or even, um, you know, more recently Hansel Robles is really taking a look at some of those situations um, that are a little murky. So, you know, where guys haven't lost the job necessarily, like Cody Allen has pitched really poorly and was pulled in his last outing. And so, you know, it's possible that he won't even get the next save. It's possible that he will get another shot. But when when a guy looks like he's kind of on the rocks and then you take a look at the underlying skills, like with Cody Allen, and they're not very good, there's no reason to think that they're going to turn around. You know, those are the types of situations that I like to speculate on. And so identifying those types of situations and then look at kind of usage previously, right? The most likely situation is a guy who was pitching in the eighth is going to be the first guy to get the opportunity in the highest leverage situation in terms of saves. Um, that's not always the case, but that's why I invested in Robla, uh, Hansel Robles over Ty Buttry. I mean, Ty Buttry was owned in a lot of places, and I think he's actually the better pitcher from a skills perspective. But Robles has been pitching the eighth. Um, even though he was the opener, I think that was a sign of the fact that um, Brad Osmus trusts him because you know the the Mariners had their their three best hitters, all three of them right-handed batters, except for uh, Dan Vogelbach batting at the top of the lineup, um, you know, against the Angels, and that's why he had Robles there. And I think even though it doesn't seem like a high leverage situation because it's the first inning, it is high leverage in terms of the quality of the competition. And so I think that says that um, Osmus uh, trusts Robles. And so even though he was just the opener, I do think that he'll get the first chance at close, closing if Cody Allen doesn't hold on to the job. So that's just an example of speculating. And then in looking at the skills, it's not like, you know, if Robles' skills weren't good, then I would have invested more in Buttry. But Robles' skills are good. They have been good so far this year. The swinging strike rate is all right. You know, everything looks looks pretty good. He's got a strong fastball. Um, he's got a good, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, not necessarily knockout pitch, but, but solid secondary offerings. And so for that reason, I think he's going to get the first uh, shot at save. So that's a little bit of kind of like the mentality that goes into it. When I picked up Robert Stevens in a bunch of places, I saw a guy who was just pitching really, really well. You know, I saw him, you know, I watched a couple games and he's just keeping that fastball low. The slider is a wipeout slider. He's always had that. It's nasty. Um, and so he was getting in more and more high leverage situations. And at the time, Rysel Iglesias was not pitching well. The metrics weren't great. Since then, Iglesias has really taken off. And, you know, I don't think Stevenson's going to get access to saves anytime soon because I think Iglesias has re-solidified himself uh, in that role at this point. But those are, uh, those are examples of when it may pay off or it might not pay off. But those are the types of speculations where you can put in a fab bid of maybe like, you know, uh, $10 or under and end up with some saves if you target the right situations and you target guys who have solid skills and have been used previously uh, in high leverage situations. All right, that is enough there. Uh, Ryan Brazier uh, is up next. 11.1 innings pitched, uh, 159 ERA, 0.88 whip, six saves, 11 strikeouts, uh, 347 Sierra, and a 440 XFIP. So uh, according to the ERA estimators, he is outperforming that 159 ERA. But when you look under the hood, things look really, really nice. The fastball velocity is excellent at 96.2. It's down, you know, about a half, like 0.7 miles per hour from last year, but still very nice velocity. 
O swing at 35.9% is really good. First pitch strike rate at 70.5% is really good. The zone percentage is lower than you'd like at 40.8%, but because he's got the high O swing, because he's getting ahead of hitters, I feel better about that. In zone contact rate at 80%. Swinging strike rate at 17.9%. That is awesome right there. CSW at 29.1%. Not at that great considering what his swinging strike rate is. Um, I'd like to see it higher, but K minus walk rate at 20.5%. You know, the 222 BABIP is unlikely to uh, be maintained, and the strand rate at 100% definitely won't be either. He's gotten lucky, according to expected WOBA, 285 WOBA, 366 expected WOBA. Um, but, like, when you look at the underlying skills, especially that 17.9% uh, swinging strike rate, you know, the, the, the solid, if not good, uh, control metrics, I think... You know, I like what I'm seeing from Brazier, and obviously the opportunity is virtually unparalleled at the on the Red Sox because he should get a lot of opportunities for saves once that their bats start to hit. So I really like um, Brazier moving forward. I do think you know there's going to be some regression on that ERA and that WHIP when a few more balls uh, balls in play fall in. But you know, uh, again. You know, I really like uh, what I'm seeing from Brazier so far. Uh, I was actually surprised when I dove in at Rowanis Elias, um, or Elias, uh, 13 and two-thirds innings, 263 ERA, 102 whip, four saves, 10 strikeouts, but a 475 Sierra and a 530 XPIP. I don't know if I really buy those, though. The fastball velocity is at 94.1 uh, miles per hour. It's down uh, 0.7 miles per hour from last year. The O swing though uh, is 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 league average at 30.2 percent. First pitch strike rate right around league average at 61.4 percent, and he's pounding the zone at 51.2 percent. So the control metric should be really good. He's not going to walk a ton of guys. Uh, the Z contact is below league average at 82.7 percent. Swinging strike rate right around league average for relievers at 10.9 percent. CSW a little low, and the K minus walk rate definitely low at 10.5 percent. BABIP is at 233, so probably some regression in the works there. But his strand rate is at 64.2%, and that looks a little unlucky too. Uh, expected Woba at 230. So, I mean, when it's all said and done, like when you look at Elias, you know, there's nothing that stands out as being a particular weakness. Everything seems pretty solid across the board. He's not your traditional dominant closer, but it's clear that Scott Survey, Sir, Scott Service, um, uh, trusts him and is using him in very high leverage situations. Uh, the strikeout metrics are not going to be great, uh, but the walk rate should be low with him pounding the zone like he is. He hasn't given up a home run yet this season, but that's not necessarily out of the ordinary for him. Last year, he only had a home run per nine of 0.18, which is nuts, and it's 0.87 uh, in his career. So another good sign of a closer is a guy who doesn't give up a lot of home runs, and that's something that Elias has done pretty consistently. So that XFIP is going to uh, is not going to be, a, uh, I think, a good metric for us to use uh, when looking at ERA estimators. And then last year in 51 innings pitched, he had a 265 ERA with much worse skills. So, you know, again, he's not dominant like you like a lot of closers to be, um, but there's no glaring weakness. I think he's solid across the board. And, um, you know, especially for what you probably paid for him on FAB, uh, he could return some um, some significant value. So, uh, I don't mind Elias there. Again, you know, not the best option, but no glaring weaknesses that I often see in kind of uh, new, newly, newly crowned uh, closers. Um, all right, uh, that is going to wrap us up for um, the hitters and pitchers. One other question that I got was what to do 
um, in leagues with where you have a lot of injured guys. So the example was like a Justin Upton or a Rugneto Door or other guys. Uh, and I think it was especially around 10 and 12 team leagues, you know, because I think the thing is the deeper the league, obviously, like the more inclined you are to hold on to a guy like that because re- replacement value just isn't what you might be able to get in a 10 team league or a 12 team league. In a 10 team league, you know, uh, for a guy who's out like eight to 12 weeks like Justin Upton, uh, I think you can put him on the wire, even in some 12 teamers, you can do that too. And this is specifically like in leagues where there is no DL, right? Because if there's a DL, you're just throwing the guy on the DL and holding on to him. But in NFBC, for instance, you have a seven man bench. Um, You normally have at least a couple guys who are injured on there. Uh, hopefully short-term and not necessarily long-term. But, you know, when you think about it, when you're trying to play pitching matchups, when you're trying to uh, sub for injured hitters or make sure that you have enough position eligibility for to fill for injured hitters, those seven spots get used up really, really quickly. And so holding on to a guy for 8 to 12 weeks, unless they're elite, um, I probably... It, it, it really it's so contextual in 15 team leagues I probably would hold on to them just because of the replacement value but for instance in one of my um, 12 team leagues I do have Justin Upton and I am holding on to him um, and I think that's um, that's only because I feel really confident like um, in uh, my hitting uh, in that league like the hitters that I have you know it's a 12 team league none of them are really platoon bats Uh, They're all playing on a consistent basis. And then I've got some uh, really nice position uh, flexibility, like I have uh, Asdrubal Cabrera. So I have second base, third base, uh, shortstop covered there. I also have Jake Bowers for first base outfield eligibility, Hunter Dozier, first base, third base. So I've got a lot of dual eligibility guys, so I don't need as deep of an offensive bench necessarily. And because it's a 12-team league too, and I have some really solid starters, you know, uh, I I can, you know, stream in, you know, two guys, you know, one or two guys a week in terms of starting pitchers to work in matchups. So I feel pretty good about holding on to Upton in that league. But, um, and I've also started off really well, but in a league where I might be struggling or I might be worried about falling behind or, you know, I don't have the roster flexibility already that I need, you know, I think in 10 to 12 leagues, you can look uh, to drop those guys. You know, Upton's obviously like around a top 100 picks. He's right, went right around the ADP of 100. He fell a little bit uh, to 120 or so um, in some drafts. I think that's where I got him in one of mine. Um, but, uh, you know, with guys like uh, Rugnet Odor maybe, uh, or guys who don't have as consistent of a history, I think I'd feel a little bit more comfortable dropping them. But again, it also depends on the position and what you're able to get on get get on the wire. So I hope I hope that sets a little bit of the context for kind of the decision making process there and and that covering that was was a little bit helpful. But if you do have um, any you know strategy questions or uh, any questions at all about you know things like this or kind of how I analyze closers, uh, I'm always happy to um, answer those questions. That is going to wrap us up from for episode 74 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Hope you enjoyed uh, those seven players and six 
pictures and then some of the questions that I answered. Uh, again, as always, please feel free to reach out, ask me to do some player analyses. It's always super helpful for me in terms of keeping track of what's going on in case guys aren't on my team or I just don't have time uh, to track it that closely. I'm always appreciative of those types of suggestions or questions that you pose. Um, it really does help me, uh, and I hope that it helps other listeners as well as I go through those. All right, a special Atlanta-based podcast today. I hope you're able to hear me on the microphone. It's late at night, so I'm trying not to talk too loud, even though I'm not good at it, uh, on the microphone um, in my hotel room. Uh, so yeah, uh, best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Hope all of your fantasy baseball teams are doing well. Take care, and be kind to one another. <laughs>